0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. I love you.
1: Do you guys know this one? This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Say it with a smile. I will rejoice and be glad in and be glad in. This is the day that the Lord we know him. I will rejoice and be glad in. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Yeah. So good. Who knows him that made this day? We know him. So good. Thank you, Lauren. I love you guys. With you, heart and soul. Jesus is up to so much good here. Wow. Wow. So good, so good, I'm so happy to be with you. I gotta remember not to speak too high in my excitement (laughs) so you can understand what I'm saying. But just know I'm preaching
0: in my highest tone all morning because I'm
1: so excited. (laughs) But I'm gonna stay down here so you can receive the good news of Jesus, okay? It's so good to see you. Uh, well, you know, you sent us into a new assignment in June of last year. Who is here for that? Uh, you sent us with so much radical generosity that it hasn't run out. It's still in our heart your generosity sending us into a new assignment, a new season, uh, is going with us. Every seed we plant in our section of the wall that we're building for the manifested presence of Jesus to cover the earth as the water covers the sea, your love and your generosity as our family goes with us. So we We transitioned into full-time leadership coaches. And um, just inside Family Scoop, I'm definitely sleeping with my business partner. (laughs) Don't tell my children. Don't tell them. We're loving it. We're doing so well, <laughs> and uh, we are serving high-level kingdom leaders, and, uh, you know, our skill set is not the streams of influence that they're coming from. We're not uh, masters in business or education <laughs> or any, any of the varying streams they come from. Our skill set is in serving the inner reality of leaders. And the most impen- impeding relationship in your life right now, where you feel stuck, is the one you have with yourself. And it's, it's, it's a lot, you need a whole cohort to own <laughs> that reality that every place I feel stuck is inside of me. And so uh, we just have the honor of serving leaders who are owning the reality that as their influence rises on the earth, and as they lead over time, their internal needs rise with it, they don't decrease. And so our, our, we've cr- we created a program uh, out of our passion for neuroscience that uh, true and lasting transformation requires the brain of another. It's not a new habit we need, it's a new relationship we need that is outside of our familiar rhythms and our passion for the gospel, whose primary driver on the earth is the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling reconciling ourselves to God, to ourselves, and to one another. So we carry you with us in this work, we love you so much. So that's just the opening ceremonies. And so today, you know I just my heart's bursting with so much, so I'm just going to dive into my 500-hour sermon that always has the same message. <laughs> Different spin, same tone. Uh, and I just feel like because I love you so much, I just need to be the one to let you know. A lot of what you wrote down on your vision board this year is probably not going to happen. (laughs) I just love you too much.
0: I have to just let you know. It's January, and your hopes are high, and I'm here to crush them. (laughs) And if you just need a little mirror, pull From last year, this time. And let's just honestly assess how much of that happened. (laughs) I'm only going to be happy this year. I'm I'm only going to be bold and courageous. I'm only going to experience freedom. I'm only going to think like Jesus. I'm going to have seven streams of income. And it's going to be all passive. And and it's going to be recession proof. And I'm going to meditate like a monk on the hill from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. every morning. I'm going to fast sugar whole year. I'm going to own a castle this year. It's going to be fully paid for. It's going to be surrounded by a moat with alligators and only people on a divine assignment with a scroll from the Lord who value my anointing and my worth are going to have access to pass. There's going to be a tree. It's going to be the knowledge of good and evil. I'll be able to go out the back door whenever I feel afraid and get every bit of information I need to feel safe.
1: I will not need a God. I will be my own source. And we're back in Eden. The mark of spiritual maturity is not how high you rise, but how aware you are of your need for a God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, living and breathing inside of your chest. And, you know, this morning I want to open our Bibles And I want to look at Numbers 13. And, you know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is one of our most cherished stories. So let's just cherish it together this morning, okay? Uh, God had miraculously delivered a million slaves.
0: (laughs) Can you just
1: imagine How many men, women, and children are in actual slavery uh, in, in the sex trade industry right now in one day getting up and walking out? Miraculously getting up and walking out from the tyranny of their captors. It's, it's astonishing, the miracle of the people of God being delivered from Egypt. And so they're, they are on the brink of their promised land. And God says, I am giving you this land. It's good. It's flowing with milk. It's flowing with honey. And they actually, their feet touch the ground of their promised land. You know the story they send in... Uh, a variety, a diversity of spies. And, and they're just taking note. How does it look out there, right? And they come back with a grape, a cluster of grapes that's so big, two men with poles have to carry it. And uh, you know, as the story goes, at the end of the 40 days of scouting out the land, they all come back except for Joshua and Caleb completely terrified because there's giants in the land, like, like famous giants. And so they freak out. Totally freak out. And we can all find ourselves in this story. <laughs> it's why it's so comforting. And, uh, and, and I really wanna look at this really quick. In, at the end of chapter 13, verse 33, it says, uh, And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. Uh, Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. And they said, the land which we pass through to spy out, it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And, you know, these were not like metaphorical giants. These were actual giants um, that in comparison in their presence, uh, they were like wildly smaller than them. They were not as strong as them. They, they were not as fortified as them. Everything about the fact that they seemed like giants in their sight uh, was actually super real and super honest. And so, have you ever been afraid and, and someone says, oh, just give it to Jesus? Has anybody ever been helped by that feedback? <laughs> have you ever been afraid and somebody says, well, just don't be afraid? Like, well, I like, well, I definitely would have done that. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not, this is, I'm not consciously, like, I love being afraid. This is the best day of my life. You know? <laughs> available on the earth today except when it's presented like that (laughs) and what we have to understand is that there was a reason they felt like grasshoppers in the sight of someone super big and super powerful and super scary and overwhelming And they, you know, the context of their story was they had been in Egypt for 400 years. About 130 of those were as slaves under a spirit of slavery. Their master, you know, in in New Covenant application, Pharaoh is not a person that is holding us hostage, Pharaoh represents a spirit, a force on the earth holding hostage the people of God by a spirit of fear. And this spirit tells stories when you get into terrifying scenarios about your future. So anybody ever been afraid And your imagination cannot imagine anything but utter devastation. And you weep all night because the fear is in your body. There's nowhere to take it because it's inside of you. And, you know, this moment of recognizing they are bigger than me I feel powerless. I feel small. I feel afraid. When we avoid this moment by going back to Egypt, where slavery makes sense, where slavery is comfortable, we bypass. The very work the gospel has been looking to introduce to us. And and the worst thing that could happen in this moment where you feel powerless, you feel insecure, you feel as insignificant as a grasshopper, you feel like a nobody to God. Anybody ever felt that? When you avoid Yourself and go back to Egypt, you can unintentionally become the most spiritual person in Egypt. You can become the most grateful person in Egypt. You can you can become the most hope-filled person in Egypt where it's comfortable living as a slave. It's familiar living as small as a grasshopper. It's safe to be under the reign and the rule of a spirit of slavery because it's predictable. The worst thing that could happen in a pivotal moment like this in the story of the people of God, is we leave these moments of vulnerability where we feel super afraid of how big what he's calling us into is. Without a vision, the people perish. It it is not a vision in the kingdom of, I can see where God is taking us. That wasn't helpful here. They could see the milk. They could see the honey. They could see that it was an exceedingly great land. And they still were perishing on the inside. In the kingdom, the vision we are protecting is our capacity to see the God who is with us the God who is for us what is he like and you know grasshoppers are they're poor they're needy you know they're 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 insignificant in producing anything and the very Message Jesus came promoting and and trumpeting is uh, if you want to enter the kingdom, you have to become like a child. You have to return to your vulnerability. You have to return to your need. That every life scenario that caused you to fear needing God, needing a father has to be confronted to enter the kingdom. Children are the poorest people on the planet because 100% of their reality, is defined by someone else. 100% of their wealth and the capacity to get their needs met is defined by someone else. So what did Jesus come trumpeting? Define yourself by me. Define your wealth. Define your sense of safety by me. You know, I really respect the work of uh, Gabor Mate. And he has spent his life uh, serving people with trauma and researching trauma. And, you know, the heart of his work is... Trauma is not what happened to you. It's it's not the events that happened to you. It's, It's what happened inside of you because of those events. And what happened inside of you because of your experience in a broken, fallen world is what Jesus is after. In what he did on the cross. And when we get into these moments, does, does anybody have an awareness this morning of what God is calling you into that you feel like a grasshopper? You feel that sense of uh, insignificance in the face of fear. And when we get overwhelmed in those moments to boldly move forward, what we need to say in that moment is, this is my carnal mind. When you, when you start projecting what fear is prophesying over your life, My my spouse is going to die. My kids are going to die. We're all going to be eaten by these giants. This isn't going to work out. This is going to end in destruction. When fear starts prophesying through your own imagination, self-control is the capacity to push the pause button and say, this is my carnal mind. And when you really look into Romans 8 and what is a carnal mind, you know, it, it's not a mind that's walking around the earth lusting. You know, that's like the lowest level. It means, carnal means its origins are on the earth, the place that it was shaped is in this earthly existence. Your carnal mind felt the cruelty of Pharaoh. Your carnal mind lived the poverty of love. Lived in, you know, this world that you were born into is so poor in love. That the only answer was Jesus Christ himself coming to make room for you to be born again. And, And when you don't validate, there's a reason you're afraid. You'll never be able to process through why you're feeling like a grasshopper and actually healing it from the inside out. You will find yourself in Egypt looking out the window all of your days, prophesying about what's to come, prophesying about freedom, prophesying about the milk and the honey. Instead of facing the giant, If I perish, I perish. I've got one shot in this life. And we are no longer waiting for our Messiah. We are no longer waiting for our promised land. It is here. It is available. It is now. The carnal mind cannot see God the carnal mind cannot perceive that God is here and available has anybody ever had an experience where you're so overwhelmed by fear like you forget you're a Christian Like, well, I don't know I'm, I'm just an atheist for a second I forgot there's a God you know <laughs> and and I'm all alone The carnal mind is constantly turning away from God and cannot perceive. Oh, arrogance, the very heart of arrogance, is I measure myself against myself. So, this is why it's very pretty to call it false humility but what we're trying to say is it's arrogant. Because you're you're measuring yourself against yourself. And the carnal mind does not have a God to measure itself against. The carnal mind does not have access to help. The carnal mind is living your earthly reality. It doesn't just drop out of nowhere. It's actually felt lived experiences that shaped and wired your're bent to expect poverty, to expect pain, to expect abandonment. And the gospel is Jesus humbling himself, Philippians 2 says, taking off his deity and climbing into human skin and being as vulnerable as you, being as needy as you. And he was not showing us how to overcome by being God. He was not showing us how to possess the land by being a member in the Godhead. Because you cannot model that. A a seat will never open up for you in the Godhead. (laughs) And that's why so many of your vision boards need to be burnt. Because the life you will live within your own capacity will never be worthy of a king who gave you himself. So in this moment, When you, you are being invited to live a life that's bigger than you, making declarations about how you're bigger than giants is a lie. And we don't look helpful <laughs> when we're overcoming by declaring we're bigger than we actually are. Oh, wow! Wow!
0: I was not expecting this to be this terrifying. I can't breathe seeing how big the giants possessing the land that belongs to me are. I was not expecting (laughs) to be this scared. Were you expecting to be this scared? Because I sure was not expecting to be this scared. What is that blood dripping out their chin? Oh my gosh, they eat people.
1: <laughs> they eat
0: people. What does this remind you of? Because it reminds me of my past.
1: My brain. Your brain, your carnal brain is an artifact. And it's kept a record of everything Harmful. To protect you the rest of your life by shrinking your existence to a hole in Egypt. And the only hope to turn this artifact into a living stone that prophesies about the goodness of God. That prophesies about the majesty of Jesus, that prophesies about the power source of the Holy Spirit, is the gospel and our need for Jesus. And so, in this moment, when you say yes to a life that is too big for you. You are not bigger than a spirit of fear that is roaming the earth, annihilating humanity one by one right now. Do you know who is bigger? Who doesn't even flinch? Who's never been afraid one moment? The Godhead. Do you know who has already won every fight? That he puts you in front of? The Godhead. The devil will never be afraid of you. You know who the devil is afraid of? A child. A child who knows who his father is, a child who depends. At our very essence, the very life we live, the air we breathe. Who depends on this God holding every fiber of my being together. Every cell in my body. When you can see what you do to the enemy's camp. When you walk in aware of who walks with you. Our posture would change. The tone in our voice would change. Our calm would begin to annihilate the chaos on the earth. The main event of the gospel is not who you are. The main event of the gospel is, who is this? Who is this this God? Who became a nobody, Isaiah said. They turned their head in disgust. He became a grasshopper. An insignificant nobody that humanity was spitting on. As they passed by. And it's in these moments where we are tempted to return to Egypt and live a familiar, comfortable life as a slave. That we overcome by pausing to eat. It's a terrible time for a meal. I tell him all the time. I am not hungry. I am too stressed
0: out to eat. <laughs> but this is, this, is,
1: this is Psalm 23. Is Jesus sets a table in the presence of your enemy? And he shows us the way of the kingdom, the way of the king. Jesus said in, in you know John 4, my food, my nourishment, my sustenance on this earth is the will of my father. What is defining me, what what is what is shaping me, what is causing me to develop healthy and whole is the meal I'm eating. In the presence of my enemies. In his trust in the will of God was where holiness comes into play. Consecrating ourselves before the Lord is pulling up to this table and saying, You are my portion. You are my sustenance. You you are the energy I need to overcome. What does that mean for new covenant believers? It means that when he pulls us up to a table in the middle of our enemies... We see him looking eyeball to eyeball. This is my body, broken for you. This is my cup. This is my blood shed for you. He serves the meal and he is the meal. And he showed us the way of absolute holiness and consecration to the will of the Father when he went to the garden in the middle of the night and his knees hit the dirt and his elbows were buried in the ground and he was in so much angst that he he began to sweat drops of blood that his human felt expression he was not sweating blood because he was so peaceful he was in inner anguish inner turmoil before the father and what was he saying father if it's possible take this cup but not my will but yours be done He was overcoming by having a meal, by nourishing himself with the will of the Father. Not my will. I trust in your nature. I trust in your goodness. And he was showing us the way of true humility. Making accessible the presence of the Father in every moment of our human experience. And if you overcome this season of your life because of your discipline, because of your habits, because of your goodness then people will have to model that. And the attention won't be on Jesus, it will be on you. But if you overcome by your surrender to a king who refused to hold back, if you overcome by trusting in a God who you know is good, Then you will become a living display of what he is like. You know, Jeremiah 17 prophesies Cursed are you if you trust in human strength. You're like a shrub, (laughs) a shrub in the desert. Nobody wants to be a shrub. Blessed are you if you trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's going to be like a tree whose roots spread into a stream. Even in a drought, he does not worry. Because his leaves remain green. I'm convinced Jeremiah was meditating on Psalm 1. In all his ways, he's prosperous. Why? Because he has a source who's bigger than him. So I just want to leave you with with a few practical keys. Okay? Okay. And they're not mine. They come from Pete in 1 Peter 5. Thank you, Pete. And he says this. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Right before that, he's talking all about pride comes before a fall. He probably got this revelation after he told Jesus not to go to the cross. We're grateful that he gave away his nuggets. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. This is what Jesus did in the garden so masterfully. Get as low as Jesus did. You know, children are about this high. And if you're not sensing the nearness of how mighty he is. You need to change your posture so that when you look up, you feel the hand of the father patting by your side. Be as clingy as a child to the hip of the father. Humble yourself Put yourself in situations where you need a God who is big. Cast all your cares on him, for he tenderly cares for you. And, you know, Isaiah prophesied he will keep in perfect peace. That's, that perfect peace is shalom twice. Shalom is everything you crave. It's safety, it's prosperity, it's security, it's wholeness, it's peace. He will keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind is set on him. Trust in the Lord. That word mind is your imagination. And in some places, it's translated clay. Like you, your mind is clay in the hand of the potter. And, you know, one of the questions the Holy Spirit asks me often is, I'll wake up in the morning and I say, hey, babe, uh, the last 24 hours, how much of what you imagined would you like me to act on today? that today please (laughs) let me hit the reset you have been given as a gift the mind of Christ what does it look like to cast your cares on a father who cares for you in the imagination of Jesus The mindset of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus in your mind. I sometimes, when I get to the end of my life, I imagine bringing before Jesus my mind and saying, I hosted your presence there. Look at my imagination It was fruit of what you paid for, Jesus. You are worthy of my trust in my imagination. Let my imagination be clay in your hand. Let me imagine as if the Father loves me just like he loved you. And then Pete said, Be sober minded. Being sober is harder than you think. Sober people feel reality. Sober people feel simultaneously the reality on the earth and the reality of their God. And when we're sober-minded, We're recognizing I do not have to diminish anything to walk by faith. And then the last thing he says is, well, he says so many just in the last I'm going to share right here. Be alert. The devil is prowling the earth to devour you, to wipe you out of your moment in human history. And that word, be alert, means give strict attention. Pay attention to what Jesus paid attention to when he walked the earth. What was he constantly paying attention to? The Father. The Father, the Father, the Father, the Father, the Father. Father. You don't suddenly turn to the Father In a moment of crisis, when you haven't been turning to the Father in your moments of peace, give strict attention 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Paul said, make your life a prayer. Make it an uninterrupted conversation with your God that I'm constantly aware I'm not alone. Did you see what she just said? Okay, just making sure, because that was crazy. Constantly, a constant conversation, and your attention is your weapon. Your attention is your worship. What you magnify in your attention, you worship. Holiness is the meal we choose to eat and the place we choose to give our attention. And so let's just all stand up this morning. And I just want to end with this one song. Uh, v, could you start turning your eyes on Jesus or I could join in? More time. We are well able. The Lord is with us. The spirit of fear will be bred for us. And everybody said, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.